What's up, Kid Cuisine Frozen Dinners? Welcome to Pod Minutes to Cast Night, the two minutes to late night podcast where we listen to bad albums and try to find good things about them. Hi, I'm Jeremy Hammond, and I bought my Metallica t-shirt on Amazon Prime. (laughs) (laughs) Hi, I'm Katie Rose Leon, Rookie of the Year. (laughs) Hey, I'm Drew Kaufman, and I can draw SpongeBob from memory. And Patrick, too. (laughs) pretty good that's pretty good man that's, a, that's really cool thank you i don't know if i can all the remember... innards too <laughs> Sponge, spongebob's uncircumcised cock <laughs> he's a sponge so he reproduces asexually he can still Just have an like uncircumcised me. Uh, his dick is a scrub daddy yeah <laughs> Uh, and, and I'm the- Lucy Steiner, and uh, I'm so glad we're all friends. <laughs> Aww, that's so sweet. Uh, I'm Jordan Olds, and when I uh, used to draw, I would draw the body as a triangle. Ah, good for you, man. I'm oh, really yeah. proud of you for bringing that out. Yeah. <laughs> Isn't that? Aren't we glad we had that conversation? Yeah, <laughs> that was very big of you to admit. And how do you feel now, having talked about this? Uh, weak. <laughs> Uh, all right, but before we uh, ta- talk about today's album, Lucy listened to some Appetite for Destruction era Guns N' Roses. Yes, yeah, yeah I listened to some songs. How'd you feel about I listen- it? I listened to songs in the car, <laughs> um, and I didn't like it. Whoa! Whoa. Uh, Interesting. I, I, think, I think if I, it was a long time ago, but I think I like it better than Chinese Democracy. But uh, yeah, I mean, I liked, I kind of liked what Rocket Queen. I thought that was Hell fun. Hell yeah. Okay. Um, but I also just kind of felt like it's a shame that who's the guy with the wah? Like who, who's Axel the, Rose. Axel Rose. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I like uh, I like him, and I think like I feel like he should have been. I wish that he was more of a pop singer. You know, like I, I like wish, on Chinese Democracy. Yeah. <laughs> Like if that had worked, I think that would have been like uh, like great. Like I wish that he was uh, like an Elton Elton John type character. To be fair, or, or Billy Joel. To be fair, I only sent her like uh, I didn't send her ballads. I sent her just like Night Train, uh, It's So Easy, Mr. Brownstone. And like Rocket Queen. Yeah, and I felt like I felt like the band. Michelle. It's not that like it's not that the band was bad, but I felt like I want to hear the 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 really interesting thing about this, and you guys are covering it up the whole time. Well, that's which is his wow. You're 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 right though that, that he becomes a ballad singer kind of, and then, yeah. yeah. And so I just found out that uh, they did a very famous ballad. It's like it's like thirty days long like you need a full month to listen to it called November Rain and, um, you need the whole month of November you gotta start October 31st at midnight yep. you'll be done by December and yep. uh, it apparently though it's the first video pre-YouTube to hit 1 billion views 1 billion people have watched the music video on YouTube I did read that yeah which is crazy because I don't know why they did that <laughs> it's a guy playing piano for 30 days it's yeah. the music video it's, the whole thing is like one endless build up to that one scene where Slash plays the guitar solo and the leaves are all flying around him and his shirt's open and you're like fuck 
that dude is hot and then it's just over and then they just do more Axel playing piano for another nine years. It's a very yeah, male Ax- perspective. I thought it's like a soap opera and that's why it's a lot of soft, focused, and purple and that's why I was like, yeah, I'm feeling emotions and feeling ways about stuff. Yeah. It sucks when it rains in November. I feel you. <laughs> I lo- it's true. I, my favorite part about the video is Axel is like disheveled in a suit. Like he's got, it's like he like had a bad time at a wedding. Yeah. And he like undid his tie in the top button. But also he has a bandana on <laughs> around his head. So I want to know, like, I love that, like, uh, to imagine that he didn't have the bandana on before he got disheveled. Like, he undid the tie button and then put a bandana on. Well, that's uh, my my cousin wore an American flag bandana to my brother's wedding. <laughs> that would happen at your brother's wedding. I don't know your brother, but that sounds some like that sounds like the most Hammond family shit of all time. I mean, it was it was on a beach. Uh, he got married on a beach, and and my cousin has a a big bald head, and he just was like, I got to cover it with something. The only one I brought was Old Faithful. <laughs> The flag of our nation. What do you call it? The American flag? <laughs> yeah, but I mean, like, there's like a nickname, right? I don't know. O, o, de, o, de, o de Lally. I don't know. O de Lally. <laughs> Old <laughs> Faithful? His <laughs> friends call him... His friends call him Chucky. <laughs> Chucky the flag. All right, well, uh, back to uh, Luce. So you did. You liked these Guns N' Roses songs, or you didn't? I didn't, but I like them. I think I like them better than Chinese Democracy, if I remember Chinese Democracy correctly. Right. But like, but I also think like even even if it was just like if he were like a a share act or like a Madonna act. Like I think that would be kind of like that would be that would be more fun. This is you wishing for literally Chinese democracy. <laughs> yeah. Literally half of Chinese democracy is him singing like Vegas style Tina Turner James Bond ballads. Yeah. I think that's the heart I maybe it's like uh maybe it's like a Saint Anger thing for you again where yeah. you you heard those ballads and then you heard the old stuff and you're like, that's not the real Axel. <laughs> that that might be it. It might be a repeat of that. But it's it's that's funny to think that if I were Axel Rose's manager at that time, I would have led him down the wrong path. <laughs> yeah, this is what you gotta do. Comb your hair and get in front of a piano immediately. Start thinking about your feelings and let's get big. Put some feathers on it. <laughs> that's what they did. You're very correct. The only difference between like later Axl Rose and Elton John was the amount of feathers in his hat. <laughs> <laughs> that See, is correct. I, when you said uh, that you were kind of like wanting him to be a pop singer, I was picturing less of like an Elton John or a Billy Joel, and I was thinking more of like a, like an Enrique. Like I was picturing like <laughs> Justin Timberlake. No, 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 not Justin. I'm talking specifically like an Enrique, like hunky singer type who like, Justin is hot. Don't get me wrong. Like Justin is like, he's a sharp dressed fella. You know, he's got like a slickness to him that people like. But like Enrique is like a fucking animal force of nature, you know? (laughs) Like there's just something about Enrique that like, and I I was picturing like like a shirtless Axl Rose uh, getting like sprung out of one of those like s- like those uh, uh, holes in the stage with like steam flying out around him, and then coming out and just being like, "Hola." Is it that far off? I mean, <laughs> you're only off yeah. by four years. That happened. <laughs> yeah. Hey, Palomo, let the rhythm take you over, 
baby? <laughs> Can someone put... Give us some Nate Dog. <laughs> <laughs> but no, so, well, I like that that kind of puts you, I guess, on our side in the Van Halen debate, because you liked original Van Halen. I loved Van Halen, yeah. Yeah. Debate. <laughs> the war. The yeah, war. the war of the, the hot war takes. Is, the war of the hot takes <laughs> is over because Lucy does not enjoy appetite. No, 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 no. The, the battle is over. The war the war rages on, my friend. The war is How unwinnable. Was, the war will never be over. The, the battle the battle end. was the bat uh, the battle was there was two there were two stupid bo- uh, like stupid receding hairline men <laughs> versus one and then a, and then a person with no prior context to any of this yeah. gave an unbiased opinion. I, I like I, yeah. the fr- I'm like the French in this. Yeah, one hundred percent. Yeah. Listen, I just I I would just like to thank you uh, for using the active verb receding. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to point out to everybody listening at home. Jordan started to say bald, looked at me, realized that he had said a racial slur, and then yes. said something else. That is exactly what happened. <laughs> thank you for respecting my people. I, I've had the apology letter in my notes for months. <laughs> All right, folks. Today, uh, we're doing an album that no one asked for, but we wanted to do. Um, we're doing Graveyard Classics by Six Feet Under. If you don't know what Six Feet Under is, it is the band started by the original lead singer of Cannibal Corpse after he got kicked out of Cannibal Corpse. <laughs> Drew, you said you had a, a story to tell before we get into this? Yeah. Yeah, I always kind of knew I was going to tell this story on this podcast, and it seems like an apropos time that I should say it. So uh, my dad passed away last week, and um, the biggest thing that I think that got me into this world that made me have our show and our podcast and all this stuff is that my first concert was in 2001. I went to OzFest, um, August of 2001, and I went with my dad, and to really... (laughs) To really understand how how crazy this is, uh, is that if you have you ever watched The Sopranos, you know, like in the first season mm-hmm. where the the son is like growing up and he has like a mushroom cut and he listens yeah. and he like has, wears a, a South Park shirt every day and is like, "Fuck you, Dad! I want to play Nintendo." Yeah, I'm the same age as that kid. That was me. <laughs> And or my, like uh, on um, Home Improvement when uh, the the youngest son turns into a little goth kid. Yeah, that was totally me. Yeah. I had like the the ball bearing necklace and like the Marilyn Manson shirt and everything. And my dad, being the like cool guy that he was, was he took me to Ozfest. And my dad worked in the music industry, but he hated music. I think maybe. It scorned him in the 70s or something. He was like, I swear off of this. Uh, so <laughs> he never listened to anything. Like he He's didn't... like the mom from uh, Detroit Rock City who just doesn't like music at all. Yeah. Any music. Well, she yeah. likes the Carpenters. Oh, that mom rules. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the only thing that I know that my dad liked was Casey and the Sunshine Band. And he would never admit that he liked it, but he had a Casey and the Sunshine Band shirt that he wear all the time. And not like a t-shirt. Like he had like a denim button down with an embroidered Casey and the Sunshine Band logo on it. Um, which I don't even know where you get that. Oh my God. I don't Big know. Daddy Kaufman. He got that in like Hell a swap yeah. meet in 1981. But so my dad... He didn't listen to music. He didn't like music, but he worked in the industry. I guess it's kind of like if you're a sushi chef, you go home and eat McDonald's or something. I don't know. They People say that, I think. Um, <laughs> they do. But Confirmed. My, so, my, so my dad was a character. He was a really weird dude. And it's where I get a lot of my weirdness from. And one of the weirdest things about him was that he wore the same outfit every day my entire life, be it 
when it was uh, 100 degrees outside or negative 10 degrees outside, which was that uh, we'll start from the bottom. It was uh, black penny loafers, mm-hmm. wool socks, tight Levi's 511 jeans. My dad was like original hipster. A tucked in button up shirt with the top three buttons undone, be it Casey, Sunshine or not. <laughs> uh, and then depending on the weather, he would either throw on a blazer or leave the blazer in the car. But it was always with him. And my dad had a huge gray afro. He looked like uh, Phil Spector without the murder. <laughs> and so, ima- yeah, basically like imagine like one of the kids from the arcade from Terminator 2 and Art Garfunkel going to Ozfest. Yeah. And we're just, we're walking around and, you know, we saw most of the bands. We had to leave a little early because I was a baby. I would think I was like 12 years old. Um, but he but he took me to it and he always let me listen to weird music in the car because he didn't like music. And we, like, we would listen to like Ozzy Osbourne, like awful metal things. And he still, until recently, would call me and be like, hey, Drew, do you still listen to Mudvayne? I just got one of their songs stuck in my head because we saw Mudvayne together. Which... <laughs> Lucy, if you don't know, Mudvayne was like one of those like Slipknot knockoff new metal bands where they would like dress like clowns with, you know, awful diarrhea. Yeah. <laughs> they're really good. <laughs> they, are, they are. They are really good. Um, they're, they're a fun band. And so, yeah, so that was that was my first concert going experience. That's what ruined my life. So thanks, Dad. I figured you, I figured it would be uh, an apropos story to tell. So thanks for letting me tell it. Yeah, I love that story. You've told me that story before. And every time you tell it, I'm just like, fuck, I'm jealous that I didn't get to see live music in 2001. I would have loved to have been um, like a kid getting taken to OzFest with my dad that looked like uh, like Wayne Coyne if he sold drugs. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's a it's a very strange thing to go see Black Label Society with a guy wearing a fake Rolex. But hey, <laughs> you don't get to pick you don't get to pick your parents. <laughs> I saw Weezer that year and I pissed my pants at Jones Beach. <laughs> anyway, talking to piss. All right, guys. Uh, speaking of piss, this isn't like uh, this is the first time we I think we haven't done a uh, like a first album or like a late album this is smack dab in the middle yeah this is their what is it their fifth album like their out of fifth like album. 90 they, they have yeah. a lot they have a surprisingly a lot of too many albums yeah when it doesn't take a lot of work to make them <laughs> yeah i'm assuming it's easy to churn out yeah. Oh, so, <laughs> this is going to be a zesty one. Yeah. So this is, uh, I don't know, I think we should start with Cannibal Corpse because I think that Cannibal Corpse is everyone's first, prob- I th- right? Everyone's like first memory of a metal band is like probably Cannibal Corpse in some fashion. Because they were in Ace Ventura. They were Pet in Detective. Ace Ventura. Um, they were in Ace Ventura Pet Detective. For some reason, they're in that movie. Because Jim Carrey is like a huge metal fan. He's like a huge, huge metalhead, and I he could never... used his platform as like the biggest guy on In Living Color to like get all these metal bands little TV uh, opportunities. Not not a great endorsement of metal, but uh... no, by no yeah. means. Nor is Cannibal Corpse a good endorsement of Jim Carrey. I think that that's a match made in heaven, if anything. 
Oh, I disagree. I think uh, Jim Carrey is a nightmare. Um, did you see uh, Jim and Andy? No. It's a whole documentary Ugh. about how Jim Carrey is, is a, a huge... piece of shit. Yeah. He's a big artist because he was mean to everybody on the set of uh, uh, Man on the Moon. Plus, also, if you're ever not tired of Jim Carrey, all you have to do is go on the internet because the past three years of content has been, look how sad Jim Carrey is. He's got a beard now. (laughs) (laughs) But, right, everybody is like, I I think everybody's first one of their first things is hearing the name Cannibal Corpse and then never listening to them. That's true. I was about to say, I definitely pretended to know who Cannibal Corpse was to make boys like me. Right. I was like, Cannibal Corpse, and because I knew you, uh, Jeremy, I also lied about knowing who the thermals were. (laughs) (laughs) I remember the first time I listened to Cannibal Corpse, it was after the wave of, like, Jab for a Cowboy. God damn it. Which... (laughs) Which Drew can confirm. Look, is all I'm going to do, I can neither confirm nor deny Jordan's theory, but I will say that it's totally fucking true. Moving on. Let's not talk about this again. How did you feel about this album? First of all, yeah. is the cannibal corpse the corpse of the cannibal or the corpse of the <laughs> cannibal's victim? I believe it's the ca- the cannibal's victim, right? I, th- I, th- I, I thought it was a dead cannibal. Then it should yeah. be cannibal's it's, it's a corpse. corpse. <laughs> it's a corpse that is a cannibal. So it's a zombie. It's like a zombie. Yeah, is what oh. I thought. Yeah. Oh, mind blown. Really? Everybody? Okay. I, uh, You'll never think of this band name the same way again. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was like a guy who ate too many hands and then he died. <laughs> Basically, as I understand how Six Feet Under started, it's that Chris Barnes joins this band, Cannibal Corpse, does two or three albums with them. I can never remember. But his whole thing for getting really famous with them was writing the most disgusting thing that he could think of. Like, there's like like the third song in their most famous album is like uh, Addicted to Vaginal Skin or whatever. It's Eesh. disgusting. And um, he decides that he wants to start six feet under because he doesn't know why death metal has to be so fast all the damn time. (laughs) I think it's like he starts smoking a lot of weed and like wishes it was groovier, but also he's a weird stoner who just gets like meaner the higher he gets, I guess. Yeah. Like he's just a mean dude when he's high. he's a mean dude. Right, because he, uh, I mean, I know he's got, you had a thing that you wanted to talk about with his feud with. You should go first because yours is earlier. Well, okay, so I read about the the Chris Barnes versus guy from Anal Cunt uh, feud, which again, if you'd like to ask, is it it an anal, like is it a, is the cunt in the ass or is the ass in the cunt? Is the ass in the cunt. Wait, real quick, because we're just going to be saying anal cunt over and over and over again. Do you know what anal cunt is, Lucy? I know it's a band. Yeah. Their whole thing was that they were this band and they're, they're, they were trying to be shocking with a name like anal cunt. Like their t-shirts yeah. had like an A that looked like an asshole and a C that looked like a vagina. And their whole thing was like they would write 45 second songs that were awful and no one was ever supposed to actually listen to them. Right. But they had hysterical names like I got athlete's foot in Greg's shower and they would make fun of yeah. people that they knew their friends and people that they hated in these songs yeah. Yeah. A, a guy once told me that he opened for anal cunt <laughs> how fast did how fast did you run <laughs> does that make him big or um <laughs> oh, yeah, uh, a, musically or as a comedian uh, musically uh, doing fine yeah he's fine doing no that okay. guy no no one no he's not okay <laughs> 
Everyone who has opened for anal cunt has been hit by a car. <laughs> that dude 100% eats paint. Okay. So be glad. Hopefully you deleted his yeah. number. Um, okay, ahead, so the, the, the Chris Barnes anal cunt thing, as I have come to understand it, is that they had some sort of a misunderstanding, a dispute, and then anal cunt wrote a song called Chris Barnes is a Pussy. I can't and- believe anal cunt would act so erratically. <laughs> <laughs> So they write a song called Chris Barnes is a Pussy. Chris Barnes, I think reasonably, is like, I don't, I, sorry. I don't like that. I don't like it one bit. That is not how Chris Barnes talks. Have you actually, I watched an interview with him. He just talks like this. Oh, that's even better. He that's just so He talks like a creepy old man, and he's just, uh, I don't know, man. He's like, I got the he panties He talked like this inside. in 1992 for some reason. He talks like David Lynch selling lemonade in the South. He talks like if uh, Leonardo DiCaprio in Django Unchained just got like kicked in the mouth. <laughs> He talks like a foghorn leghorn on life support. Yeah. I say, I say, I say, I've loved every one of you. (laughs) God. At least foghorn leghorn died by his family. (laughs) I say I don't do well alone. Is he related to the little chicken hawk? No. No? No. It's just like some kid who hangs out. No, the the chicken hawk's trying to eat him. Foghorn Leghorn is related to Scrappy Doo, don't at me. I haven't seen it in so long. I haven't seen a Foghorn Leghorn. The chicken hawk. Hawk is trying to eat him because he's a big ass chicken. That's right. Yeah. Oh, and then that's uh, yeah, and that's why I think feathered chickens look appetizing is from those cartoons. Yeah. <laughs> Finish your story. I feel like that's technically bestiality, and I'm gonna call the police. Finish the story. Okay. The story. So the story is that that uh, he wrote this song about Chris Barnes. Chris Barnes gets really mad. He avoids touring through Boston for a really long time because he doesn't want to run into the anal cunt guy. (laughs) And then uh, the anal cunt guy uh, decides that he's going to go to Rhode Island uh, to a different date of theirs just to go, quote, say hi. But really what he does is stand in the crowd of a Six Feet Under show and just say Chris Barnes is a fag over and over again. How unlike someone from Boston. (laughs) (laughs) Also, just for some more context, Lucy, the uh, guy from Anal Cunt, his name was Seth Putnam. There's a very very famous picture of him getting his... uh, getting oral sex performed on him while he's completely naked and shooting up heroin. You can easily find this photo on the World Wide Web. AOL keyword, (laughs) dirtbag. So the end of this story is that uh, uh, they have this feud that goes on for years. Uh, They just hate the shit out of each other, right? The story ends with uh, Seth Putnam, is it? Yeah. Seth Putnam dies, right? Uh, Of natural causes. Of natural causes. I didn't know this at first. Oh, I was okay. just joking. I thought he died of a drug overdose. No, no, he had a, a heart attack. Oh, geez, that's he sad. He had a fucking heart attack. And, I guess not uh, that sad. He sucked. Well, so, but uh, uh, the Wikipedia page, the excerpt is really short, and it just says what I've told you so far, and then that he died, and that Chris Barnes, in response to this, said, Murdered in the Basement is still my favorite Six Feet Under song. No. That's what he said. No, you said Chris Barnes. Yes. Okay. Seth has to say that. 
they both say it. And here's why it's confusing is because they, the way it's phrased in the Wikipedia made me think that this dude had gotten fucking murdered and that Chris Barnes is being like, we wrote a song about him getting murdered. And I had to look up the song to find out that it's not about the dude at all. And then I had to look up the dude to find out that he got, got, had a fucking heart attack. This isn't going anywhere, I don't think. But the point no. is that there's this feud between them and they're the worst two people ever. Okay. But um, also, just so you know, if you don't like the way that the Wikipedia is read, you can edit Wikipedia. It's very simple. That's what it's designed for. That's Yeah, no, I think you, you should you fix just, that. I think you got confused by a grammatical error because that story made no sense. I, I guess. I don't know. I'll yeah, dude, I it, think but... it was like his final thing on... It's. I read that Seth's thing, is like his final note on the, the whole thing was just like, yeah, whatever, my favorite uh, Six Feet Under song is Murdered in the Basement, which has to be ironic because that is the funniest, worst-sounding uh, death metal song I've ever heard. Yeah. I love it. It's so bad. Um, I guess the biggest question with Six Feet Under, just in general, like why we're bringing up Chris's personality is because I don't, I don't know what to think of this band as like, I don't know how serious they are or whatever, but um, I know that he's a dick because uh, my favorite death metal band, Cattle Decapitation, has a famous story of being on tour with them. And since... Six Feet Under, no one really cares about, like, Cattle Decapitation was selling a lot of merch, because, I don't know, they have cool shirts that are, like, gross and weird people want to buy. Everyone in IT advice has a Cattle Decapitation <laughs> shirt. Um, but, so, they sell more sh- merch, and they tell them that they have a merch limit. They can only, like, put up one shirt. And so, the singer of Cattle Decapitation, it just is like, okay, that guy's an asshole. <laughs> That's the way we make money on tour is by selling merch. And so he's like genuinely mad. And um, Chris Barnes hears that the that the cattle to cap guy is talking shit about him. So on stage, Chris Barnes just goes, yeah, apparently some people are mad about the way we're running <laughs> this tour here. So I just want to let you know, just calm down. Go eat a, go eat a veggie burger and chill out. <laughs> And like that pisses off the cattle decap guy and goes uh, like backstage and he's like, "What the fuck are you doing? Why are you like this?" And then Chris Barnes punches him in the face and leaves. And uh, then cattle decapitation like left the tour. Clearly, Um, like everyone came after Chris Barnes. Like, what the fuck, dude? Why did you punch that guy? And he's like, I don't know. I made a light joke. And it's like, maybe don't make a light joke about the vegan death metal band. It's probably gonna piss him off. Uh, Maybe just don't punch the person you're on tour with. Yeah, Yeah. don't punch your openers. If you are going to punch them, at least while you're punching them, go time to eat some meat, motherfucker. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. Say something shitty. I feel like no one fought back at Chris Barnes because he just. Uh, because yeah, like uh, the guy from Cattle Decapitation is a vegan, and Chris Barnes just looks like an old tree that's endangered. <laughs> <laughs> so he's like, I can't. We must preserve the earth. Yeah, he looks like the the tree people from Lord of the Rings if they were the evil ones. Yeah, so, if they worked at a head shop. This is my question: If this is such a hateful, shitty man, why is he making album after album of the? goofiest ass covers I have ever heard in my entire <laughs> life. Is yeah. this a comedy album? Somebody tell me. I w- Let's start this off. We're going to start this off with a new segment on the show. We're going to start this off with Lucy. I want to know why you think this album exists. What do you think happened? So I think that this album was born 
because a friend of six feet under challenged them and they were like, if you're so great, then try to, why don't you go and try to win first place in, in Battle of the Bands? <laughs> <laughs> and, like, I don't and so... And so they're kind of like at the end of their rope and they like really want to prove themselves. And so they uh, decided to dress up in disguises and compete in Battle of the Band. And while they were practicing, the lead singer started uh, choking on cashews. But not like a whole cashew where he was just like choking and silent, but like the little like bits of cashew, how they'll get stuck in the back of your throat sometimes. Yeah. And so um, he choked on those for about like uh, 45 minutes and then this album was born. To be fair, that's 100% accurate. Yeah. That is actually what happened. I read the Wikipedia page. That's yeah. what happened. And it, I mean, if you think about it also, every one of these songs on this album is like pure uh, battle of the bands, like go-to song. Like, what yeah. are we going to do? Smoke on the water? Or are we going to do TNT? Yeah. <laughs> what are we going to no, do? It's, this is, it's, a, it's, a, yeah. it's a beginning guitar book brought to life plus the cookie monster. This is an album recorded at one of the St. Vitus karaoke's. We've gone to yeah. it's just literally a guy who's doing like a like like it'll be funny if I just do death growls the whole time, but he's doing it for forty five minutes <laughs> at karaoke, and I think it's weird because I love it. I, I love, love this album. This. I love this, is this f- album. Y'all are crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's insane. Okay, yes, <laughs> this yeah, is yeah. absolutely this insane. is a hot Here garbage go. factory. <laughs> wait, the room is divided wait, wait. in half. I where's totally agree with Katie. I don't understand that. I, oh, I, I, I don't yes. understand. You did. You understand yeah. it better than anybody. <laughs> you you picked up that it was the battle. The bands. This is, yeah. I might have like two. Re- I might see like two redeeming songs on it. But in general, this is the kind of metal that I feel like I have come across and flipping. And I've been like, nobody actually likes this. Like nobody. Everybody. They people must be pretending to like this. Yes, you are correct. Hundred <laughs> percent. But that you know why we think like this is because we were in stupid metal bands in high school. We did this shit. I that was is in a stupid metal band. Yeah, okay. Jeremy, we well, hold on. Sleep till Brooklyn. Yeah, hold on. I can tell you why I like this. And it goes back to, I feel like I've brought up I've brought up Megadeth's No More Mr. Nice Guy every episode of the podcast. You have. I, I think it's the best cover of all time because I think if you want to look at this album, this is a cover album and you have to discuss what makes a great cover. Okay. And well, we're going to pause real oh, quick. Oh, pause. Next time, everybody, uh, we're going to listen to the No More Mr. Nice Guy cover and confirm this DNA because I have no idea. I've heard two of the cover songs on that Megadeth album and they are weird. So I don't know. It's not a good album, but that is a great cover. The The thing for me, okay, so what I think makes a great cover if you do a cover that sounds exactly like the original, it sucks. No one wants that unless you're going unless you're at a mm-hmm. wedding. No one wants to hear that. You're right. If you do a cover that's so far out of what the original was that you can't figure out what the song is unless you're like, "Oh, this is that." That's bad. There's this yes. healthy line that you want to be on, which is that you bring your own thing, your own special flair to it. If you it allows you to appreciate the original and if you could throw anything else into there, that makes it cool, then that's a good cover. So, like, for example, the cover of Pretty Woman by Van Halen yes. is amazing because amazing. they add in all this, like, shredding guitar, and it sounds great, and you've got, you know, David Lee Roth, like, screaming at the top of his lungs, and it works. Or, like, I love No More Mr. Nice Guy because it's a song about being an asshole being sung by an asshole. 
There's layers upon layers. Right. And this is somebody covering TNT by ACDC, a song that no one would cover. And he's, he's singing... He's not even trying to sound like ACDC, which no one else would do. No, every, at least someone You're would like right. try to do it. This guy is like, I'm going to sound like a vacuum cleaner. I'm, hey, guys, can you just go, oi, oi. All right. That was a little too energetic. Can you calm down a little bit? Oi. Did you guys have coffee this morning? Calm down. No one would do that. And it just is crazy they would do this. These guys learned every note of the song. They're exactly the same. It's like they're singing over karaoke. Yeah, but they drop tuned it. Did you guys listen to any of the songs that you don't really know? Like, Yeah, I listened to every single song uh, that I didn't know, the original version. Like, I didn't fucking know um, uh, Holocaust by... No. uh, But I I love that They made it rip. Now I love it. They made it rip, dude. Their version of Holocaust, I never heard that song before. They made it rip. I don't think it rips. I think it's awesome. (laughs) The rip sounds good. And I will even say that I like their cover of Stepping Stone better than the Minor Threat cover of Stepping Stone. I think it's awesome. I think it rips. I agree what you say about good covers. This is a terrible cover album. They don't do a lot to change the songs. It sounds very phoned in. There's no enthusiasm or love for any of it because a good cover comes from a place of love. And it sounds like this guy (laughs) is... Okay, so you guys have been working musicians. You've probably seen this because you're from weird small towns like the rest of us are where somebody's weird mom decides they want to be a singer. So they bully all the musicians in town to come be in a band with $30 each. And they're all dead-eyed on stage playing the cover while one person, this mom, is wild and out singing. And that's what this is. It's just insane to me. It's the worst shit I've ever heard. Yeah. Well, uh, to, to build on that point, the idea of like the like not changing very much. All they changed about these songs really is like the tuning's a little different. Some of them are sped up a tiny bit. Some of them have like a couple of little changes here and there. But for the most part, the only thing that's different between, say, like the Holiday and Cambodia cover and the actual song. Um, they do Uber allies sorry sir (laughs) sorry the california uber alice cover and the original is that it's got obviously his fucking stupid voice (laughs) (laughs) and that they just put a fucking metal zone on it it is the weirdest choice for like he sounds like this on all of his albums he does not sound like this on cannibal corpse songs for some reason he's doing like I don't know where the voice comes from in this. It's just really sad. It sounds like he's doing an impression of the 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 tiger cave from Aladdin. Like, <laughs> Who deserves my slumber? I, I, I will say this. I would love this album if it was made in a self-aware mindset. If yes. it was made and they were like, this will be fun. But you went... And introduce this whole album with what a jag off this dude is, and there's no way this was made with fun. It was definitely made out of spite I, and hatred. I think I think there is a part of it. He he knows that it's fun that they're doing like he doesn't think it's sick completely that they're doing TNT. He has some humor about it, but I think it, the difference of it is like like I have an old band. I had a band in California. We were called like dog meat and we had a weird, uh, we were like hardcore, but with ACDC shit in it. And like, we had a weird cartoon backstory, like kind of like a Valiant Thor kind of a thing. And we covered Highway to the Danger Zone with like a breakdown in it. And we like, we knew that it was funny, but also the, 
to do that, but we were also enjoying the song. But there was yeah. also a context to the band that uh, that made the cover acceptable and fun. I think that bands need that context right. for that, and I don't think this band entirely has it. Like, no, they don't understand exactly how funny these songs are. No, the difference here is that your band was a called Dogbeat, b populated by dopey dudes that people probably knew from around town and most of all you guys didn't have your fucking roadies beat the shit out of the guy from anal cunts and then drive off in your tour bus wait wait wait, real quick because i didn't know about any of that mean stuff until we started talking so i'm still judging my opinion on yesterday where i assumed that he was a saint and gave money to the lord yeah that's not <laughs> that's not put the sins of the father yeah. on the album from a musical standpoint okay so Jordan and I have played in three different cover bands together. Yes. I've been in cover bands. I've seen every band you can imagine do covers. Most bands have one cover, maybe two. If you're Van Halen, you make a kind of a career out of it. But for the most part, like in the metal world, most covers are ironic. Does, uh, what's that fucking scene band? Do they actually like Kelly Clarkson? Probably. Did Limp Biscuit really like the song Faith by George Michael? Probably. But they were done with like, this will be funny because no one expects us to cover it. Right. This album is all like, dude, this song is fucking sick. Let's cover it. And I think there's something kind of endearing about that. And it's a little cool. There is no Madonna. There is no strange pop. And I like that. That is the strangest part about this album is the songs they do, minus TNT and Smoke on the Water and and Purple Haze. Every song they do on this is like fucking... The original is sick. Like, yeah. Sweet Leaf is not a Black Sabbath song that anybody covers. No... Every band today wants to sound like that song. Every... Yeah. Like, Electric Wizard and every... All those stoner bands. The Sword just wants to be the song Sweet Leaf. But no <laughs> one... No one fucking covered that song. They covered it. They're covering Bonded by Blood era... Exodus, so they know their shit. And they're like doing the monkeys. Like, this is all technically really good music. These are their influences. They are influenced by bands that are good. So to come out and create a saw so- an album that sounds like this, that is mixed so lazily. They didn't even mix this fucking album. Okay, wait, 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 wait. Before we move on to to like more technical aspects of this, since you were talking about the original versions of these songs. I wanted to present a question to the gang, uh, which is, what makes these songs Graveyard Classics? <laughs> because the name of the album is Graveyard Classics, and these songs are... I looked up a bunch of the like the, the, the lyrics. I looked up, like, tried to find anything I could about what these were like actually about. TNT it obviously is about a tough guy who very explicitly does not carry lethal weapons. I know how when you're hanging with your bros tailgating a graveyard. <laughs> they called it Graveyard Classic so it would sell really well at Party City on Halloween. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, this is that's this what is it so is. You, this is so your mom buys it. Yeah, thinking the Adams family theme is going to be on it. I mean, that's probably what they're originally going to cover uh call their uh wedding cover band for all those weird goth people that are like, yeah, we're pretty spooky, but we also believe in domestic bliss. Yeah. <laughs> I was surprised when you sent, when because how we decided to do this album was you told me, check out Graveyard Classics, but we were talking about the Misfits, which Misfits album to do at the time. 
So I expected it to be a weird horror punk album or something. Yeah, right? And then I looked it up. I was like, it's Six Feet Under cover. Because I, I, I had known Six Feet Under. I've known their pains in the asses. I know that they're a lot of people's least favorite metal band. And I've never been more excited to listen to one of these albums. I went, I the second, it, I was like, Six Feet Under cover album, I'm fucking there. Did you listen to the Jailbreak cover? From yes, the I did. It slaps. It's awesome. I can't in good conscience say that this slaps. <laughs> I'm sorry, Your Honor. Don't police my verbiage. <laughs> You know, this is interesting, because usually I'm on the bad opinion side of this for our fans. You know, usually I'm like a person that'll be like, you crazy, you don't even like this. I'm a dad, and I'm angry. I was born in the 70s. But, like, now I feel like the fans where I'm like, Drew, you're crazy. Okay, so backstory. 2006, my favorite band is probably Between the Buried and Me. Alaska came out the year before. Yep. They're crazy, technical, metalcore band. They're so awesome. And they're putting out an album called Anatomy Of, and it's all covers. Yes. So I am so excited. I drive to Best Buy in my mom's Jeep Grand Cherokee, and I pick up, not download, which is fully feasible. I had done it already for Alaska. I purchase the Anatomy Of to listen on the drive home, and it is straight covers done perfectly note for note, all clean vocals of what was on that album? Bicycle by Queen. He screams during Blackened, I remember. Because it's Blackened. But other than that, it's all yeah. clean vocals. And I remember just being so disappointed because I thought they were going to put out an album of just... With their zhuzh in it. Yeah, with yeah, I thought they were going to put their dicks in it, and they did. Yeah, you got it. If you're doing a cover album, you got to put your zhuzh in it. And here's the thing. <laughs> for a Six Feet Under cover album, this is what it's supposed to sound like. Yeah. It's funny as hell. They're, they're, their dicks are in the clouds, and... Um, it, they're one with Allah. It's great. I don't know. Like, I said last time, like, there's a difference between uh, someone who likes Rock and Roll Nightmare or Evil Dead. I think I'm going to I'm gonna rephrase that, that reference. I now think that Six Feet Under is, like, the Evil Dead of bands, of, like, these death metal bands. Like, it's, like, charming and stupid, but they were really trying to make something good, but you... It's also really funny. It's Evil Dead 1. And what Morbid Angel was is actually just the movie Constantine. <laughs> Uh, I guess, Lucy, what's your favorite cover? Do you have a favorite cover song? I Well, I think that, uh, I think Tina Turner's Honky Tonk Woman is pretty good. I think that's yeah. like, I think that's one of my favorites. Tina Turner covers, she <laughs> always makes them like her, like, yeah. Rolling on a River by Tina Turner is way better than the CCR version. Yeah, I, yeah, I agree with that too. And then a lot of, there, I mean, there are a lot of people who cover Bob Dylan really great. I really like Joan Baez's uh, yeah. I Dreamed I Saw St. Augustine. You know what's really bad? I just remembered. Uh, have you ever heard Scarlett Johansson's cover album of Tom Waits? That album was, I never liked it, but now I really don't like it now that I know that Scarlett Johansson's thing is putting her zhuzh in and stealing other people's identities. <laughs> <laughs> Well, we're going to listen to that in a later episode when we're out of metal. I don't know. Well, like Katie and Jeremy, you didn't think this was like a little fun to listen to? Okay. I think it was very funny. Yeah. I think it's outright funny. The thing I kept noticing is that they're only really funny up until the first chorus. And then once mm. you pass the first chorus, yes. it feels like watching a fail video after the person falls over. <laughs> exactly. Like, I, I, I did think this was fun, but, you know, comedy requires timing, and these boys are not doing comedy. And also, I don't know about you guys, karaoke's fun when you're drunk, 
But when you're sober listening to karaoke, you're yeah. like, man, these people need to take this away from me. Yeah, <laughs> yeah totally. Here, it sounded I, like, uh, do you remember a couple of years ago, there was that Super Bowl ad for an IBS uh, medication, and they had a little cartoon stomach guy, and he was like <laughs> a little walking stomach person. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'll post it on the Twitter, but... <laughs> The point is, it sounds like that little IBS stomach at karaoke, just having a blast. You know, that's the thing is, is this sounds like it was a lot of fun to make. I just don't think I would ever listen I, to I guess if I wasn't trying to make somebody laugh. Really twisted my ass up on this one is like, <laughs> if this was just like a freebie, uh, like a, on like a burnt CD or some shit, then I'd be like, yeah, whatever, like, like a bonus content. But they put this out as an album. On its own. And I think that's bullshit. Yeah, if these were spread out ac- across a couple of albums, this would be great. This would be really yeah, fun. Yeah, or like like I said, like if it was just for freezies or yeah. something, like like a surprise, like, oh, and also if you order a t-shirt, we'll send this bullshit that we recorded on the bus. But like, it's lazy as shit. This is lazy. Yeah. No, I, yeah, I totally, I can totally believe that this is what it's supposed to sound like. I just don't believe you that you like it. <laughs> I think you guys are lying. I don't think, wait, I don't think it's lazy and I know that because we were making Cookie Monster vocals the whole time before this podcast started and within 12 seconds I was out of breath. This dude did it for a whole album. The one thing yeah. that I will say that does suck on this album is the random high pitch scream that he does for absolutely no reason where he yeah. sounds like he sounds like he's voicing a puppet bat whose only character description is he's horny. Yeah. <laughs> I mean That's it's true. Uh, creatively lazy. Like I, yes. I have no doubt that this takes technical skill to do. I would never argue that. But Oh like, no 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 it does not. I'm just slop. I'm being a shit. I don't actually think. But that. like I own a guitar tab book once like am I in a band now no clearly not (laughs) dude well here's the thing I want to Jeremy brought up earlier that like it's like um you get to the chorus and then you're done I feel like they picked songs I actually because I knew a lot of these songs I was ready for him to do certain lines in like a fuck it in the voice yeah like Sweet Leaf is my favorite cover on this album because Every single time I'm so ready for him to say the next, like, I love you. It's yeah. so funny. It oh, is, yeah, yeah, baby. Oh, it is yeah, so baby. funny. It's so also funny. why I love listening to the music that the uh, macho man Randy Sav. <laughs> 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 I mean, I will admit that's very fun. You know, I, I, uh, I it's funny to hear California Uber allies as if it was coming through California. a demon in my back. <laughs> oh, yeah. Cleaner. I forget which. I guess it, I guess it was TNT, but when he was just it was it made me laugh out loud when he was like when he was saying this uh, the lyric of women to the left of me, women to the right. I know. Because I, I just imagine like two uh, women just like sitting next to him very uncomfortably, just like yeah, he's talking like, about the women next to him on the bus. On the bus. I just I couldn't figure out when they covered Blackout by the Scorpions why he sang sometimes. I know. Yeah. What. The I was like, song. you did this, why this one and not the other ones that need, that also need singing? Like, what? What is, but why, but why that song? Why not just do like Rocky Like a Hurricane? He was, he definitely was like, no, 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 that song is too mainstream. Oh, what Jimi Hendrix song should we cover? <laughs> Rocky Like a Hurricane wasn't a huge thing in the 80s. Like, Rocky Like a Hurricane got big in commercials in the 90s. This album was recorded in the 2000s. Though. Right. 
But Wait, he's is that covering true about Rocky all like a hurricane. Yeah, it's, that's scorpions. Insane. That song rules. It does. But scorpions <laughs> were big. Uh, their big album for metal people was Blackout. Blackout is considered one of the best metal albums for some reason. <laughs> Um, because I've never oh, just given them a... Oh, sh- quick, so, quick yeah. aside, quick aside that has nothing to do with anything. I was listening to this album while I was eating a burrito, and a guy came up to me because I was wearing a metal shirt, and he's like, hey, you like metal? And we were having a conversation, and I found out that the original guitarist from Man of War owns a batting cage in Ridgewood. Wait, what? I love batting cages. <laughs> Go to the guy from Man of War's batting cage. It's in Ridgewood, New York. Moving on. Uh, the other thing that was very disappointing to me is I knew I'm one of the few weird beings that knows what Accept is. Not the concept, but the band. But uh, Accept the band is like a weird German ACDC that just wanted to also be ACDC. Are they the son of a bitch one? Yeah, they have a song called Son of a Bitch, and uh, it's one of my favorite choruses ever, just because it's just like, Son of a bitch, you asshole! (laughs) And I was waiting the whole album the whole fucking album to hear him just really commit to going. Like, I really wanted him to just get every syllable of, you asshole. And he just went, you asshole. He didn't say asshole without just petering off at the end. And at that point, I was like, maybe this isn't fun. All right, that does it for that discussion. Um, no, me and Drew were wrong. Uh, <laughs> when are we not? Yeah, I don't know. Uh, uh, favorite songs, Lucy? Uh, I'm going to go with Purple Haze. <laughs> <laughs> Is that just because that's the one you knew? <laughs> I knew a couple of the other ones, but if I'm being honest, I was a little bit like, yeah, I know this song. <laughs> well, <laughs> Well, I was listening to it. I think it was just like, it was just the most listenable one uh, for me, I think. Germ. Uh, I'm going to go with Piranha. Mm. Uh, Fuck off. I'm going with Piranha because I'm uh, I'm not as familiar with the original song, so it didn't have that weird feeling of like the, the, the sense of dread of like what comes next, you know, like what the next bit is going to be. Uh, and so it, it just like it, it was fresh for me. And then also it's just an actual metal song. So it doesn't feel like super out of place having his stupid voice. on it. What a weird, boring answer. You pick the <laughs> fucking metal, the song that's most appropriate. <laughs> We are a contrarian podcast, and you're going to pick the thing that makes sense? Okay, fine. It was Smoke on the Water. <laughs> yeah. You happy now? It was the one about the, the hotel where the fire happened that nobody <laughs> died at. Why is it a graveyard classic if no one died? Hell yeah. All right, that's what I wanted. Katie? I thought Jeremy's piranha observation was astute as fuck, but... I'm going to say, I actually agree with you, Jordan. Sweetleaf was very funny. And uh, I don't know. I hate this album. (laughs) (laughs) Hell yeah, Katie. I got to go with TNT because, my God, the first time I heard that, I laughed so hard. (laughs) I laughed. I laughed into my burrito. It was a breakfast burrito. I got chorizo up my nose. And then a man came up to me and told me about the guy from Man of War owning a batting cage. So I have nothing but positive memories. I'm going with TNT. Yeah, it's tied between TNT and Sweet Leaf. Like, 
TNT is the crazier thing that they did. It is the yeah. craziest decision on this album to do that song because it is the most unfit for what they're trying to do. It is it bananas. Is, it is bananas. They Literally, most of the song is just a, like... The whole point of being in a death metal band is to play riffs. There's barely a riff in TNT. <laughs> yeah. It's three chords. It is insane. Also, it's- on the on the topic of like the things that are really funny to hear in a death metal voice, really underrated line on this one is, lock up your daughters, lock up your wife. <laughs> yeah. Because they're going to jail? <laughs> yeah. I love, uh, but Sweet Leaf is the best uh, thing on this album, just because Sweet Leaf is a sick-ass song, but also it's funny in the Black Sabbath version because it's literally just Ozzy going like, I love weed. I love you, weed. I would like to smoke weed. Can I have some weed? And it's funny that it's just this fucking... It's just funny that Cookie Monster is singing a poem that Ozzy Osbourne wrote to weed. Oh my god, it just all came to me very quickly. I ran out of weed this week, and I listened to this album sober. Dude! I would love this album if I was at- Papyrus font on it. You gotta be high. If I was at my regular doctor-recommended levels, I might have had (laughs) a different experience. Hey, everybody. Hey, everybody. This is your local straight-edge friend saying that I don't enjoy anything. (laughs) Which, actually, I wanted to say real quick is that uh, Purple Haze, I thought that if they were going to cover Jimi Hendrix, who is considered by most Walmart t-shirts to be the greatest guitarist (laughs) of all time... I thought they would at least be like, okay, we got to get someone who fucking shreds. We have to outdo this solo in Purple Haze. And instead they're like, Craig, what do you got? Weedle, weedle, Okay, great. Next song. Okay, so now we're going to do, uh, we're going to follow up with last week's uh, new segment, Metal Mansplain. Some people sent some tweets and uh, responded on Instagram, and we're going to go through and uh, read your answers. Yeah. Uh, so we got from... Uh, well, let's let's first give context. What was the question last week? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, so the question uh, last week was, what's the difference between death metal and black metal? Uh, we got from uh, Ash Williams, uh, who are a band. Uh, they said, Lucy, black metal is Guarsenio's face paint. Death metal is his affinity for bird calls. <laughs> Which I appreciate. Uh, the band Peddler uh, says, Death metal loves Satan. Black metal hates churches. <laughs> I like that one a lot. Also, but how I like- do they feel about synagogues? <laughs> Probably not great. What a- <laughs> Fun thing about both black metal and death metal, they both equally don't like Jews. Womp, yeah, womp, they womp, both womp. Uh, were not for the mosque at Ground Zero. <laughs> <laughs> That's some real shit. Uh, also, oh, listeners yeah. at home, check out Peddler. I checked them out. They're very good. Uh, Dave Longin says, black metal, I hate my dad. Death metal, I ate my dad. <laughs> yep. That is the one. That's oh, the that's winner. That's a good Put one. Put that on my grave. Uh, let me see if there's <laughs> another good one. Oh, yeah. From uh, from friend of the show, Dan Koza. Black metal, that weird kid in class always playing with his Zippo. Death metal, his abusive father. <laughs> That one was my favorite. That one kills. Yeah. That one is so funny. But that's Dan. He's a comedian. That's cheating. Yeah. That's cheating. I don't like having men explain things to me. 
<laughs> yeah, we got to be a little meaner to some of these people. Like, isn't that the, the whole but point? But they were all so charming and fun. Like, none of them were yeah, annoying. Actually, <laughs> I bet this yeah, one none was of you guys were pains in the ass. I, yeah, this is I actually would actually like to congratulate our constituents for shocking me with how charming and polite and funny they are and how not mad I am at them. Right? <laughs> Who would have thought that the, t- just two months ago we were getting weird comments about the white ethno states? <laughs> but as a male feminist, I have to say shame on all of you for mansplaining my friends. I am an ally and I will come after you. But what did you do, though? Uh... <laughs> so, Lucy... Do you uh, have Drew a- Kaufman has been kicked off the final warp tour. <laughs> <laughs> oh wait, 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 wait. Sorry. One last thing. I totally forgot to bring this up when we were still talking about this band. I have one more thing about this band that's so, so interesting. Is that they did, on the promotional tour for this album, they did three dates of the Vans Warp Tour. That's insane. Six Feet Under? Six Feet Under did three dates of the Vans Warp Tour. They were in Chicago, Milwaukee, and somewhere else in that general area. Here's who else was on the bill for the three Warp Tour shows that they played. Green Day. No doubt, Papa Roach and the Black Eyed Peas. What? What was this year? What was the year? Two thousand. What Ooh. was the year two thousand? You guys, it was. I went. To it this really was tour. a magical time. I think the computers did shut off, think, and we had to start. <laughs> Wait, I also went to that warp. Yeah, it was but, the Green Day year, but it was new in New York. Yeah, yeah, at uh, Randall's Island. Yeah. Sorry, it's just a really interesting. No, factoid. you're right. Uh, but here's <laughs> it's funny that they've always had warp tour at Randall's Island, which is a prison. No, it's not. It was Rikers delete, Island. Delete this joke. <laughs> delete my account. <laughs> Male feminism. <laughs> but look, Pokemon go to the polls. I would like to let. Everyone know that every time Drew has to have a riff about male feminism, he has to literally <laughs> grab a microphone out of my hands. <laughs> Drew has literally right. stormed out of the room. Go get him so we can finish And John has locked it. I locked it up. All right, uh, guys, you can follow Drew Kaufman, uh, the bad boy, uh, a.k.a. Bad at Podcasts, at, uh, at Drew Kaufman Photography. <laughs> On Instagram and uh, at diet underscore hellboy on Twitter. Really quickly, Lucy, what is your metal mansplain for next week? <laughs> hey, metal fans. I'm Lucy Steiner, and I have a dream. <laughs> <laughs> I'd like you to help me with it. Um, please suggest to me vocal exercises that I could do to achieve an optimal death metal growl. Uh, videos get extra points. <laughs> you heard it here, ladies and gents. But mostly I'm gents. <laughs> actually, only gents. <laughs> All right, uh, plugs. Um, you can find me on Twitter at the Steinbag. Uh, find me on Twitter at, at Jeremy Thunder. Check out my other podcast, Balling Out Super. It's it's good. good. You can find me on Twitter at, at Katie Rose, or Instagram at Oh Hello Katie Rose, and Jeremy's all of the podcasts that we make him edit. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter uh, at Mr. Dornolds. Please follow my dog on Instagram at Great Hambino. Um, uh, suck an anal cunt. All right, goodbye, everybody. Bye. Hope Drew comes back someday. Bye.